Welcome to the Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Klingen, and tonight's episode is episode 10, Table for Three. With me, as always, is my uh, co-host and engineer, Seth Holder. Hey, everybody. And tonight, our special guest host is Practical Steve. Welcome to the show, Practical Steve. Yeah, nice to have you, Steve. Oh, thank you for finally having me. You guys only mention me every week, so it was about time. <laughs> yeah, we had to get you on, and, and now you're here, and we're happy, man. This is going to be a lot of fun tonight. It's really good to talk to you. Cool. Uh, let's just jump right into it. So, Steve, uh, you know, how did you first discover or get into pinball? Well, um, I've always loved pinballs, even since I was like a little kid. Uh, if I went to the arcade, like, and there were arc- there were video games and pinball machines, pinball machine almost always got my money. Um, I remember some of them really vividly, like uh, Whitewater was a game that I remember a lot, just looking at it and those ramps and being so poor of a pinball player and being so young that even if I just hit that that left like uh, hill ramp, like that was like the most exciting thing ever. And uh, so pinballs always really grabbed me, even when I was in like my 20s and if I went to a bar uh, with friends, if there was a pinball machine, like I'd always go play it. And then I hit my 30s, and I moved to the suburbs, and uh, I went to a couple of pinball shows, and I was like, hey, uh, I have a house, and I now have disposable income because I don't go out every night anymore because I'm not in my early 20s. Uh, I should buy a pinball machine, and I went on Craigslist, and I did that. Did you have a particular machine you're after? Was there like a machine from your childhood that's like, oh man, I really want this this particular title? Of course, like, yes, um, but that's when I was naive and thought that they were all the same price and I probably could just get anything for any amount of money. I came in probably after you guys were pinball machine pricing started to go up considerably. Um, the machines that when I got in, uh, you could have gotten for like a thousand, two thousand less the year before. So, yeah, I wanted a white water, but I didn't have the money for a white water and I wanted a medieval madness. But even back then, they were still they were already like seven eight thousand dollars and that wasn't happening so i wanted i knew i wanted a dmd because i was one of those new collectors that thought any game that was pre-dmd was boring and i was very wrong and i wanted it to be in my price range so i ended up getting one of the best dmds ever uh uh williams hurricane oh i thought you were gonna say shack attack no no not quite i probably would have been better off with a shack attack but uh (laughs) i've got a hurricane first and that's what started it all. I got a hurricane, and um, from there, uh, it was, like most people say, it was like an addiction. It was like a sickness. Nice. And that's, yeah, that's kind of how we, I mean, more or less how most of us start, you know. Well, that's cool. Did you uh, get help when you got your first one? I mean, most people either are pretty nervous to go just blindly get their own machine, never having owned a arcade machine. Uh, me personally, I had a, a friend that I was able to lean on that kind of went with me to get my feet wet. Show me. I wish when I started, I had literally no one. Um, I I didn't even like know what Pinside was. I was just like looking on like web pages for like any info I could find, like how to break a machine, a pinball machine down and fold it up and put it into a car, and how to. Well, at least you knew that much. I knew that much. <laughs> I did. I I mean, they don't call me practical steve for no reason i'm very practical i did like my research i looked up how to do like run the tests uh on the game when i got to the house and i printed out the manual and put it into a three-ring binder oh that's awesome before i got to the guy's house and i read like 
uh, Bear Kamarov's pinball machine repair guide before I bought a pinball machine. And I, I did my homework, but I didn't have that, like, community yet at all. So, I mean, like, I went to the guy's house. I saw it on Craigslist, went to the guy's house. Uh, like, I opened it in front of him, and he was like, oh, I didn't know how to do any of that. And, uh, I mean, it was it was a working hurricane, and it was in great shape. And uh, I got in the car and drove it home, and it was really exciting. But, no, I didn't have that person yet. It was all just, like, online and not even a community. I didn't. I never found, like, RGP till much later either. Mm. So I didn't have that community probably a good first. Thing. Yeah, probably. I never I, – I, <laughs> were you on R, RGP a lot? I posted, like, on there, like, twice and never went back. Like, I never – I didn't like the – I didn't like the format. I didn't like. I didn't like. Anything that was about me. I've I've been on there maybe twice since I've gotten to the hobby. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. So I mean, like when you when you first started, you know, learning about it, you kind of had to teach yourself maintenance. I mean, were, did you have you know any background in mechanical skills or just kind of learn going along? Oh, well, funny you should say that. Um, I did have zero background skills in repair or troubleshooting. Um, I like to famously say that before pinball, I only had a hammer and a screwdriver. And if I couldn't fix something by hitting the hammer on top of the screwdriver into the thing, it wasn't going to get fixed. <laughs> and um, but since then, like now I have, a, you know, a tool chest and I you know, have a, a soldering iron and I have uh, uh, a digital multimeter and I learned how to, you know, do so much through pinball that like the one thing my wife loves the most about the hobby is that I apply it all over the house. I fixed my dryer when it went down. I mean, this was like my second kid had just been born like two weeks, like two weeks prior. My dryer breaks when I'm like washing like poopy clothes, like every other minute and I was like, I got this. And I like open the dryer and like get out the digital multimeter. And I'm like, it's this fuse. I go down to the fuse store and I put down 30 bucks and I bring home a fuse. And it's like, I did that. I didn't have to even call a repairman in and spend all that money. And that's all because of pinball. Um, so no, I had zero repair knowledge before this at all. And now I feel like not only can I do a lot of stuff to a pinball machine, I can also do a lot of stuff around the house. That that's got to be heartening for our listeners. There's, you know, we have a lot of folks that are getting into the hobby or are just um, completely happy having uh, somebody else come to their house to do the repair works, do the heavy if, lifting. If you can follow directions, you can you can do it, and you will find people that will help you. Like um, uh, I did eventually find Pinside, and I did learn a lot from Pinside. And but the best thing was the people I met through Pinside. Um, I had the GI, I finally realized the GI was out on the hurricane and I was looking in the back box and I never really looked at the back box that hard cause everything worked. So I was like, great, it works really well. I'm not going to look at it too much cause it might break if I look at it. And I figured out that the connector was completely burnt to a crisp so much that the wires were just directly soldered onto the board. And I was like, oh, well I need to fix this. And I was like, I'm really nervous. And I'm talking on Pinside about it, and this guy that's pretty close to me, like, you know, a ways away, but, you know, in my area, he's like, hey, I'll come over. I know how to do this. I have the tools. I'll teach you. Awesome. And Willie, Pin Willie on Pinside, he drove over from Sebastopol. It was like an hour something drive and stayed here all day, didn't know me, just like showed me how to do stuff. And I, I, I mean, when he showed me how to do he had to show me everything. Like, I didn't know how to use any of the tools yet. 
And uh, that was amazing, but what was even better was that, you know, we became friends after that, and we've hung out at shows, and we've bought and sold multiple pins to each other, and that friendship was worth more than the knowledge, which was already worth so much. Right. Now, and that's how all of us, like all three of us here talking right now, we all met because of Pinside and because yeah. of, of, of just the local community. And uh, like tonight at League Night, you know, um, League Finals, uh, you know, we all, everybody all met through Pinside, except for maybe uh, Seth, you and uh, Eric, because you work together, right? Yeah, but I think uh, the three of us behind this mic all met uh, because of uh, me reaching out to Moff on Pinside and noticing his amazing collection and thinking to myself, there's a guy that uh, has all the machines I want to own someday. And so him and I had been corresponding and I said, hey, you know, I know you don't know me from Adam, but if you ever decide to have an open house, I'd love to drive out and uh, check out your collection. And so he ended up inviting me and said, hey, can you uh, pick up... uh, Spencer on the way he lives near you and then I think um we coordinated and we also I picked you up Steve I think at the same time so that's I literally met you all through Pinside through going to a party so it's kind of um it's interesting how it uh, keeps all of us connected yeah it's true I mean I'll 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 say what people want to say about Pinside there's the negativity there's trash talking there's uh threads about nothing um, but what there is, if you can find it, is there is a community and you just find those threads and those people that, you know, live near you and you make your own little little world there. And that, uh, I think, helps so much uh, make the hobby uh, so much more. To me, I've always said that um, if it weren't for the friends I made in this hobby, I'd probably have gotten bored with it a long time ago. I mean, look at any time we go to a show, what do we do? the most of anything it's not pl- it's it's not no not even that no no <laughs> we do play a lot of dollar games um and it's not even what do we do the most we don't play pinball the most we stand around and talk about pinball more than we're actually playing pinball because like it's a bunch the, of it, nerds i know like a bunch of nerds you oh, know it's, it, no it's so true myself. it's the it's the it's the people i mean the pinball is just uh, you know the side benefit it's like when you guys all went down to banning last year and i ended up having to cancel at the last minute you know and i called you just for the road trip because like i'm like the guys are out on the road trip damn it i should be there with them and i'm not so i'm just gonna call you know so we talked for a while and it was great because for a little bit i got to be there with you guys you know, and that yep. that was just fun. You know, I had a great nap on that part of the car ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good burn. Um, yeah, but you know what? It's and that's that's the magic of pinball. I, I talk about that a lot, and and it, and it and it really is. You know, is it brings people together and 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 forges it creates and forges friendships. I don't know if people realize how important that is nowadays. I mean, like, we have people in our community we know that are, uh, you know, like, scumbag flippers or just people that aren't, like, you know, on the up and up. And then we have the people that we know and that we trust. And when you get to that level of trust with people, like, that is a magical thing. And the only reason I have, like, if you look at my collection on Pinside, probably 65% of those games have never been owned by me. They've just spent time in my house because I've babysat them for friends or I fixed them up for friends. And I mean, that's that's people don't realize like you can build a collection on trust, not just money. You don't have to be rich to 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 have a good size collection. All you have to do is is 
gain trust in people and respect in people and uh, a friendship level that you will do that. And uh, that to me has been uh, a huge part of collecting for me is, is just fixing up other people's games and babysitting yeah. for them. Yeah. Once you got the skills and you got the reputation, uh, it's amazing how many collectors out there uh, either don't have time to work on the games, wrench on them, or uh, don't have the space. So yeah. it's it's really easy to open if you got a couple slots open to say, hey, you know, I I, I can babysit that for you, give it a shop job, yeah, fix you, that GI issue, exactly. whatever. Exactly. I'm I'm gonna rebuild all your flippers. You buy me the flippers, I'll rebuild them all. I mean, uh, our our good friend Jim, uh, who is one of my oldest friends in the hobby, <clears throat> I met him through a post on Pinside. I went to California. This is funny. I don't know if you guys ever have ever even heard this story our friend uh spy byron um we're at california extreme and i had talked to him a little bit on Pinside, and i met him there and we we chatted and hung out and he was like oh yeah one of my issues is i got too many pins and not enough space and i was like oh man that's my opposite of my issue i got too much space and not enough pins and then uh the after the show's over, I go on pin side and I just you know make an offhand joke like, "Hey, if you ever need space for a pin, you should let me know." Ha ha ha! Like you know, think it's a joke. And then Jim sends me a private message. He's like, "Hey, he's like you you made it. You mentioned to your friend that you if you ever need space for a pin that you haven't." And he's like, "I've got pins. I need I need to put them in spaces." He was like, "Do you want to take one?" And I was like, I don't even know you. And I ask around. Everyone's like, oh, he's the nicest guy in the world. And I'm like, okay. And turns out he is like the nicest guy in the world. And only because he like he, he looked around and found my reputation online that he was like, I'm going to reach out to this guy and just lend him a pin. I mean, out of nowhere. Like, who does That's that? Cool. Who does and that? what was it? It was, what was the first game I did for him? Um, Wasn't that Funhouse? It was Funhouse. Yeah, it wow. was Funhouse. Great... And yeah, what a great game. Uh a game I never would have had. I can't afford a Funhouse, but I've had through him I've had a Funhouse, I've had a Whirlwind, I've had an 8 Ball Deluxe. I mean, heavy hitter games that I can't afford and I'm right now I've got the nicest Whirlwind that I've ever seen sitting over there cuz I fixed it up for him and he let gave me the chance to. So yeah, it's it's really great. That's that's what it's all about to me. Pinball is about the people and the the reputation you build for yourself and the friendships you make. Exactly. What's That's that? kind of how Seth started doing the show with me because, you know, I started and did the first four episodes by myself. And then episode five, I said, Seth, just come on the show. I want to do a show. Let's just do one. And uh, we wrote show notes up in about 15 minutes, jumped on and did a show and had a great time. And, uh, uh, and through that, I said – See, I think – I figured you had really heavy blackmail on Seth to get Seth to do this. No, I figured you must have had some dirt or something. Well, else. no, because you know every oh, time we take you. a Bay Area trip, you know we're in the car together because we always end up carpooling, and it's just like like we're talking now. It's basically the same conversations we're having, and and that's you know we talked about it. Said you know all we're doing on the show is just having the conversations we're having and bring other people in and talk to them too. And, and so it's, it's a very, you know, that's why, you know, I always tell people, I'm always honest with people say, look, you know, our show is not the most polished, but it's honest because just us pinheads rapping, you know, and that's, and that, I, I right. think that's what I really like the most about the show. And just the, the positive feedback I've been getting from the listeners is kind of the same thing. They like it. It's just, it's, it's organic and natural. And it's just friends sitting around talking. So, 
it's a it's a really good time always um and he had some blackmail had some blackmail yeah so <laughs> um well we'll just you know just like you steve you know i i right now currently i only own two of the games of the eight in my collection and the rest are just you know i'm babysitting for friends yep, and yep. uh you know, so that's great. I mean, it's, I, I, you know, I've owned my myself. I've owned, uh, I think, fifteen total, and you know, uh, of every era. So, um, and you, what's your favorite era, by the way? Oh, good question. Um, oh, I, I really like the, I, the for back of a letter term. I really like the alphanumeric era. I, um, I love all pinball. I mean, I love everything from a, a single player wedgehead up until like the Stearns. But my favorite era is always those just like the games that were they just figured out how to make them a little complicated where like they had like, you know, a couple modes and like a multi ball and, uh, you know, a jackpot, but like not too crazy where it's like Lord of the Rings where you need to like uh, collect 15 different characters and go on 14 different quests and uh, so that era right there I think is one of my favorite eras the System 11 kind of era-ish What's your uh, Desert Island pinned if you can only have one pinball machine the rest of your life? Well it's easy and it's not even in that era it's Spirit There you go Yeah, I, 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 if I, I've, I've said before if I could sell my entire collection to buy a Spirit I would but I would still be woefully far away from owning a <laughs> Well, right now, there's like 15 sitting in France, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. it is. Yeah, there's a French, for the listener that might not be super tuned in, there's a show in France, and um, in honor of our good friend Steve Charland that passed away, um, Steve Charland, previously at a show a few years ago, <clears throat> got how many... Seven. Spirits together was it seven? seven? Seven spirits together. Yeah. They, in honor of him, got fifteen spirits lined up, uh, and it's just amazing. It's a it's a really beautiful sight, and there's these banners above uh, commemorating him. And uh, I'm sure wherever he's at, he's looking down and smiling, and uh, just loves it. And I'm sure part of him's like, "Those sons of bitches got fifteen spirits, and I only got seven. I can I can hear him saying it. I love it." <laughs> Ah, oh, so yeah, so that's pretty amazing that this show in France has 15 spirits. I I apologize, I don't know the name of the show. But you know what? That shows the power of pinball. Here it is, you know, literally the other side of planet Earth, or as I like to call it, planet pinball. And probably, maybe, maybe one or two of those guys might have actually met Steve in person. But he had such yeah. a huge impact yeah. on, on our silly little hobby that half a world away... You know, they're, you know, uh, raising banners and putting together a collection of spirits and uh, saying, hey, Steve, this is for you, buddy. You know, so the awesome. Oh, good for them. You know, yeah, that's an awesome. It's true. Like when I when when I saw that come up today, I was just like, wow. You know, and I was at league finals and I'm showing it to everybody going, check this out. And everybody's just like, that is so awesome. I'm trying to find the name of the show, but I cannot find. That's okay. Well, you know what? We'll look it up later. Um, or hey, the listener, you can look it up. You can uh, do a Google search. And I'm sure you can find something. <laughs> so um, it'll all be good. Hey, speaking of uh, news, uh, we got the news of the day, uh, or you know, news of the show. That was a really smooth transition. <laughs> Did you like that? That was the best segue so, ever. I sorry, man. You know, I'm best segue ever. News. We have news. News. All right. Uh, the biggest news right now in the last week or so, I think, has been uh, 
John Papaduke, um, and there was never really an announcement, but is now uh, linked to a new company that's uh, supposed to be manufacturing pinball machines called Deep Root out of Texas. And uh, if you, uh, for the listeners that might not know a lot about uh, this, uh, John Papaduke was uh, a pinball designer for several years of Bally Williams in the 90s, put out some really classic games, uh, most notably World Cup Soccer, uh, Theater of Magic, Tells the Arabian Nights, Circus Voltaire. Uh, he's had kind of a rocky last few years trying to make games on his own, and that didn't fare so well. Um, but uh, uh, he's working for them now and uh, supposed to be putting out games in the not-too-distant future, and we'll see how that pans out for uh, uh, yet another new company that we don't know how much, if anything, they actually know about manufacturing pinball machines. Yeah, the question is, is are people going to fall prey to the pre-order silliness and fork over uh, cash to get on uh, a new machine that may or may not materialize? Yeah, what you kind of left out was that a lot of people had money invested in, in Magic Girl and they never got their machine. They never John Papaduke machine. And they never yeah, got their machine right. and they also never got their money back, so... Right. Well, that's now a part you of know. the company. So, so, for the listeners that don't know the whole story, yeah, now he's he's got a new company or he's with a new company. So, yeah, it was a pretty bad, uh, pretty bad debacle. Well, uh, the rumors are, and these are just rumors. I don't have facts yet. The rumors are that they're not going to take any pre-order money, and uh, they're not going to ask for anything up front. That they're going to, you know, manufacture games and have them in the box, ready to ship before they ask anybody for a penny. That's the rumor. So I, I think that's the only way they can do it. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not holding my breath because let's face it, folks. Um, you know, many have tried and many have failed. Uh, pinball pin- is hard. Pinball is hard, and it's a very unique and interesting monster. So, but you know what? I'll uh, for now I'll say best of luck to uh, to uh, Deep Root Pinball in Texas, and uh, look forward to seeing uh, what you guys can come up with. So, and then said, be very gracious about this. You know what? Uh, I'm not going to crucify anybody till I hear more of the facts. Uh, you know, I'm I'm well, uh, as another as a fellow pinhead and guest of the show uh, said uh, uh, not too long ago. I will be cautiously optimistic. That's a shout out to you, Fat Train. Hope you're doing well tonight. So you had some news uh, about something, right, Seth, about Zen? I do have some news about something. Something. Zen Pinball, right? Give us that something news. (laughs) Uh, They just recently uh, announced uh, their latest uh, virtual table they're uh, coming out with. Uh, They've been releasing some kind of classic tables, and I think – I call this one out just because uh, there's always a little bit of excitement. There's always a little bit of um, shouting from the community that they want this pen uh, in real life, not just virtually. And that's uh, Back to the Future. Oh, did they so, really? Uh, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's they the, released a trailer. That's the Pinball Arcade. No, this will be uh, the other company, uh, Zen Pinball. Oh wait, so oh, they're gonna make an original. It's not gonna be the the old Data E Stern Back to the Future. Correct. This is a Back to the Future trilogy uh, themed pen. Will ZZ Top be in the third part of it? We can only keep our fingers crossed. Was ZZ Top in Back to the Future Part 3? 
back back to the future part three yeah they had just a little you know uh cameo where uh they were playing music and they did a little spinning of the guitars and the drum like they do on stage so so i haven't uh th- this is their third title release from the 80s if you will they they released uh et and jaws already i believe so those are all titles that people have been wanting in real life so it's kind of interesting that uh zen is kind of picking up on that vibe and at least giving uh, the folks something virtually. People wanted an uh, ET pin in real life. Well, Jaws for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I won't contest Jaws. I. I still don't get that. I mean, Jaws. Yeah, it's a great movie, but like, it's a tense movie about not seeing a shark most of it. I don't understand how that translates to a pinball machine that well. It's it's about nostalgia, right? Most. Of I these, guess it must these... be. Yeah. Yeah. So. Jaws has great dialogue. I got to give it that. Oh, for sure. So does Goodfellas, but I don't know if it'd be a good. I guess it'd be a good pin. They made a Sopranos pin, right? Yeah, and a Kingpin, and yeah. I I really like Kingpin for what it's worth. Really, Just, I love that game. So speaking of uh, titles that people are wanting and not hearing from, uh, we hear any uh, rumors coming out of uh, out of uh, Expo coming up or any other shows? Do we think we're going to get any announcements from JJP or Stern on what's coming out? Um, so yeah, th- nothing from Stern. They've been very, very, you know, holding close to the vest. I, I mean, no, you know, I, I, on my, uh, you know, my pipeline, I haven't heard anything off the grapevine. Uh, Jersey Jack Pinball, JJP, uh, big rumor is, uh, uh, you know, probably heard by now, uh, that, uh, rumored to be their next title is Pirates of the Caribbean. And, uh, the rumor is they may be, uh, showing yeah. that. Someone feels strongly about it. Yeah, because someone, someone I know wants uh, Toy Story in the worst way possible. So, because I, 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 I heard, I heard Seth's been like selling plasma on the side, saving up for that title. So, um, did they announce Dialed In at Expo? Was that when they announced last it? year? Yes, when sir. At Expo, they, okay, so it's been a year since. They well, they didn't announce anything. it. Okay. They they pulled they pulled the. Uh, I mean, yes, they announced it, but they pulled the uh, they pulled the tarps they up. Showed they showed it, it so, yeah. and they had yeah, I yeah, think yeah. three or five playable playable and uh yeah yeah so so we might see a uh we might see a partially finished uh prototype game this year so yeah that'd be nice so if you follow along on pin side uh it the folks seem pretty it's it's hard because you got the folks like me that have desire versus knowledge yeah yeah but but if you try to weed out the people that just like i really want this and and focus on the people that um traditionally are somewhat accurate yeah and it's it's usually because they have some sort of they have a connection It, it seems like both pirates and toy story are in the mix and it's probably because they i'm guessing they've locked down both of those uh titles in terms of ip already and so maybe if it's not the next one it's it's coming at some point or at least they're blocking uh stern from having that title yeah. by sitting on the licensing for it but uh, i haven't heard anything concrete i mean pirates would be a a little bit of a disappointment just because um the franchise is kind of being already being put to bed there's no i don't think any additional movies coming out soon for it um there's already a pin out for it it's 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 a perfectly fine pen i don't know if we need yeah if we're going to come up with new pens yeah with 
unoriginal themes. Let's pick an unoriginal theme that hasn't been done. Yeah, yet. I feel I you know. on that. I feel you on that. Unless they like really make it like super generic, where it's not so much like Johnny Depp's face, and it's just like more pirates theme. Swashbucklers. Exactly, more pirates theme. Like more like a like the like the ride before it was you know before they added Johnny Depp into it. Just kind of like a general pirate kind of thing. But if they tailor them to the movies, then it's going to be yeah very specific and. Right, I would rather see that because I'm always up for a good pirate theme, you know. So, you know, we'll see. You know, I mean, it's gonna be if it's Jersey Jack, there's gonna be some cool stuff in it. So, you know, I, I'm I'm optimistic. In terms of uh, stern rumors, though, I, I think I've mentioned this on a prior episode. Um, the, I, I've gotten several confirmations that uh, Gardens of the Galaxy is coming up next. Yeah, and they keep uh, denying that, but who knows? You yeah, know? That, that's what they're supposed it's to It's such a weird yeah, timeline, exactly. though, because the second movie just came out. The third one, is there a third one slated yet? And is it going to be out anytime soon? There's definitely a third one slated, but no, it'll, it'll probably be a while. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, well, plus, aren't they supposed to end up uh, teaming up with the Avengers coming up soon? I, I, I don't know about that. I'd have to get my nephew, who's a, a comic book genius, uh, to to fill me in on those kind of details, but I just, uh, in terms of release timing, I mean, you know, it's not like Aerosmith had something great going on. Um, you know, I, I don't think they necessarily always feel like they have to tie it to some blockbuster release. Oh, I guess that's very true. I mean, they do sometimes, but I mean, I think if it's a universally loved title there, then it's, it should be timeless. Yeah, no, I, yeah, well, yeah, look at Wizard of Oz, man. I mean, that's like, what, a 75 year old <laughs> yeah, franchise, yeah, yeah. and it, it is timeless. I mean, you make a great point, and it's done well, and it's a fun game, and, uh, it's a it, good you shooter. Know, it's a good shooter. Yeah. It's a fun shooter. No, no it's that's a, a good player. That's a player's pin. Good that's player. A player's pin. Yeah, it's a, it's a good yeah. player and a fun shooter. There we go. All right. So I think that's the news and the rumors for tonight, unless anybody's got anything else to add to that. So. All is kind of quiet. Do you guys think any Elvira three announcement at Expo? They've said they're gonna. They're, they've said they're gonna make it. They've announced. Yeah, it. I mean, it's coming. Do you think they're gonna? So you're, you're, do you think they're gonna have any anything to show? Do you think they're gonna leak anything? You know, they may. I mean, it's been a year since they. Well, no, well, they announced it at Texas last Which year, is right? Like in October this right? year. No, I thought they announced it this year. Oh, this year, okay. Time. No, it was. You're right. It was this year. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, it probably hasn't been long enough then. So hey, they might have something though. You never know. Hey, Something. Give me a little something, something. Give me a little something, something that Elvira. Something, something, something. Yeah, I'm excited to see something. for you, isn't it, Steve? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, you both said something at the same time. Oh, God. Uh, I'll take I'll take Seth's question first and follow up with Spencer. <laughs> so isn't that a dream theme for you? I, well, I love Elvira. I love the Elvira pins. Like, those are big ones from, like, my childhood that I remember playing a lot. And, unfortunately, they're both priced out where I can't have them. Um, Ella... Elvira and the Party Monsters is a great game. It's not a $2,500 game, though. Um, if money was no object, I would own it. Um, I do think Scared Stiff is the price point that it is uh, correctly. Um, I wish it was cheaper, um, but uh, I just can't afford it. But I love both those pins. I'd have both of them in a heartbeat. If they made a third one, um, I would start Googling things about, like, how to have a midlife crisis, uh, how husbands convince their <laughs> wives to buy Maseratis, like try and figure out some kind of way to like make that my first new in box. Um, yeah. So I'm interested in to see what they do with the franchise. Plus the artwork by, uh, 
uh, Greg Ferris, right? Greg Ferris and Dennis Norman are doing it. So the same team that's done the first two is doing the third one. I don't know. I think they're going to, I think it could be a really great thing. It's probably going to be a home run, if not a grand slam. I mean, yeah. And that's where I was going to go with, with, you know, when Seth said, same thing is that, that, you know, I know you're a huge Elvira fan or at least of the game. So, and like, just like you, I agree. Um, you know, not only I, and, and most pins I buy, I buy because Rusty loves them. It's like happy wife, happy life. She likes it. I don't care. Yeah, Pinball. Yeah. So like Black Rose. I mean, I probably would have bought it anyway at the price I got it for. And it was a screaming deal. And I liked the game well enough. That's Rusty's Grail game. So I was like, damn, get that in here. But uh, yeah, she loves both the Elvira games. And it's like, so, you know. If Stern's listening, if they could make either like a really great like The Cure band pin or like a really great pin based on the show this is us like i could really get my like first new <laughs> box like or a friends oh please make a friends pin and i will get the ellie version in here so fast my wife will be like yes here's the checkbook yes please make that happen yes <laughs> right on that's funny i think friends would probably sell in my household as well that's funny. oh really oh yeah see for rusty it'd have to be like dexter you know uh, I can see them. I could see them making that a few years ago. I can't now. Yeah, so there's definitely a time frame where it wouldn't have surprised me. Or or another Doctor Who. Yeah. She'd totally on board for another Doctor Who pin. So, yeah, you know. So I think that's covered in the news. And now we have uh, we have upcoming shows. Yes, yes, indeed. I'll, I'll kick things off. We got. Uh, the White Rose Game Room Show coming up September 29th and 30th at the York Fairgrounds and Expo Center in beautiful York, Pennsylvania. Uh, this is a show that's uh, got, on average, about 150 machines, arcade and pinball. Uh, I've never been. Uh, it's East Coast um, uh, show, but uh, from what I can tell on the pictures, it looks like it's primarily pinball. Uh, looks like they've got a great flea market uh, out front. Um, bunch of tournaments. They even have free tournaments. So uh, trying to get uh, people that uh, are casual players interested and involved in competitive play. Uh, so there's there's a couple tournaments going on for them. Uh, no entry fees and just a, a bunch of fun prizes given out. And then uh, they have, of course, an IFPA tournament for those that are uh, the competitive ones that uh, want to earn points for uh improving their rankings in the world of uh, competitive pinball. Um, so lots of good stuff going on there. Um, it uh, is open uh, both uh, Friday and Saturday, and it opens at 10 a.m. on Friday to closes at 8 p.m., and Saturday it's 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. So two days of pinball heaven out in York, Pennsylvania. That's the White Rose Game Room Show. Awesome. Uh, I have an upcoming show, and it is uh, probably, well, the first pinball show ever, and it's the longest running, uh, Pinball Expo in uh, the Chicagoland area, actually technically Wheeling, Illinois, and it's the 33rd annual. It's coming up uh, Wednesday, October 11th through Sunday, October 15th. Um, this is the big one. I mean, this is the industry insider show, and just regular folk can go too. And of course, they're going to have tournaments and games on free play, and uh, uh, you know, all the pinball luminaries will be there. The designers, Jersey Jack of Jersey Jack Pinballs, given uh, the fireside chat where he kind of kicks it and hangs out with uh, all of us pinball fans. Uh, Gary Stern of Stern Pinball will be doing a talk. Um, I mean, there's just, you know, you can go to their website, which is uh, 
pinballexpo.net. And uh, that's going to give you, you know, um, they got a complete listing of each day and the guest speakers and, and the tournaments and everything else that's going on. So if you're uh, near the Chicagoland area uh, next month, uh, check it out, man. It's, uh, you know, from what I hear, I've never been, but from what I hear, it's a, a must-see show. And Steve, you got a show for us in uh, Houston, I believe. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was uh, just answering some comments over on the Facebook page for the Golden State Pinball Festival um, coming up in May. I know I'm not supposed to talk about that right now, but, you know, I'm the social media director for the Golden State Pinball Festival coming up. At, it is in your it, blood. Yes. Coming up <laughs> May 18th through the 20th in beautiful Lodi, California. Uh, someone was asking about our RV hookups, and I said they're going to be more plentiful than before and reservable. But anyway, I'm here to talk about the Arcade Expo 2017 in Houston. Uh, it's put on by the Houston Area Arcade Group. It's October 20th and the 21st. There's going to be more than 200 pinball, arcade, and console games. Um, what's your guys' favorite console? Game? No, oh. just console. System? Let's not, let's, yeah, system. Uh, I'm a Nintendo guy. Yeah, me too. No, Sega Genesis. You guys are wrong. Uh, there's going to be tournaments, uh, swap meets, uh, cosplay contests. You guys could dress up as any cosplay character. Which guys? Which character would you guys dress up as? Sailor Jupiter. I got the legs for it. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah, and you guys know that the listeners are going. How the hell do they know this? Wow, I wear you, shorts in the summer a lot. You answered that alarmingly fast. He's he's given it deep thought. I'll, I'll go with the answer that uh, because I've already dressed up as him, but I'd go as uh, Sully. Uh, from Monsters. Oh, Inc. I thought you were going to say Sully. I could totally see from, you doing uh, that, and I never would have pegged you for a Sully guy, but now that you said it, it's like, dude, you are. That's so cool. You're, re- you're yes. really more of a Mike in, in personality, but uh, more of a Sully in, in uh, physique, I would say. You're alluding to body hair. I, I got you. <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, yes, the Arcade Expo 2017, October 20th and 21st. Guests include Brian F. Collin. He's the creator of Rampage and Xenophobe, the game. Um, Dirty Donnie will be there. And Jerry of Multimorphic NP3 will be there. So that is the Houston Arcade Expo. Which they are shipping now. They're shipping the show? No, uh, the the P3, uh, Multimorphic. Oh, uh, uh, Lexi Lightspeed yes, is shipping. Yes. Good for them. Very exciting. So that's awesome. All right. Cool. Show news. I think that wraps up show news for tonight. And uh, what's next on our agenda, Seth? We got the game of the week. And uh, you picked a Jim Dandy. Um, You picked one that all three of us owned. So uh, no shocker there. That makes it uh, greases the wheels, so to speak. Uh, Tonight, we're going to discuss from 1990... The one, the only, Roller Games. Rock, uh, Steve Ritchie rock, original. Roller Games. In my worst voice, Roller Games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, uh, 5,000 units made. Uh, came out in 1990. It is a uh, alphanumeric, not a DMD, based on the short-lived Roller Derby TV show. Uh, this game has uh, many exciting features. Uh, it's got a magnet shot. It's got drops. It's got a drama of the ramp. It's got amazing callouts, and it's got phenomenal '80s and '90s um, advertising on it. So you got your references to Slice and uh, what else? Game is on Pro there? Magazine, Thermos. Yeah. yeah, 
GamePro yeah. magazine, so yeah. Not only is GamePro outdated, but also the concept of a magazine is almost outdated at this point. <laughs> I it got sure a beautiful is. early production one uh, with the diamond plate uh, field from uh, buddy uh, Sean Dulcini over in the Bay Area. He, he goes through a lot of machines and uh, was able to connect with him and pick up one that he got and uh, put some love into it. Really, really had a good time with that game. It was, uh, I got it at a time where I was uh, not keeping games long. I was kind of going through a phase where I was keeping a game for a couple months and then move on to the next game and really trying to figure out what what I liked. But uh, it's a game that I definitely want to own again someday. Um, It just scratches so many itches for me. Uh, It feels like a kind of an improved high speed, if you will, in terms of uh, layout and... um, uh, the action on it, so it's got a lot of the Steve Ritchie classic feel to it. So, uh, yeah, excellent game. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I completely agree with the high speed uh, two um, assessment, and our good friend Moff uh, has always said that as well. Uh, I think it's just got a little bit more. Um, I love it. Um, there's things I, I also surprisingly enough got a nice uh, diamond plated uh, one that was in good shape that someone had put a good amount of work into, but not as much as I did. I bought yours. You're welcome. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I I love it. It's it's it was one of those games that was a a, a, a highly sought after game for me for a long time. And uh, I only recently did a temporary trade, uh, possible long-term, for another game that's my grail. So that was the only reason I got rid of it, because uh, I love it. Um, I think it's a great game. It's a, it's a reasonably priced game, um, and uh, there's a lot of them. So you get it for a good price, and I think it's a great game that anyone should think about owning. Great first game, you know, for somebody on a budget that doesn't want to go, you know, in new in box or can't go new in box. That's a fantastic and a fantastic family theme. You got a heck of a deal on yours, I think. I did, and I you offered me yours at Pinagogo, and I'd had a few drinks, and it was dark, and I just sold a Joker's, and so I took that money and flipped it over into um, a, a a you know a great plane. Uh, Decent, uh, uh, decent, uh, um, play field, uh, really pretty good play field, but a cabinet was uh, a bit rough. Looked like it had been drugged by a truck a lot. Um, but yeah, I got a good deal on it and I had fun with it for about a year and I turned around and sold it to another one of our buddies and, uh, and then he moved it pretty quickly as well. So I, I, you know, I sometimes miss it. Um, love to have another one someday. I think one of the interesting aspects about that particular game is that, um, and I'd read this somewhere when uh, they were first going for the license. Roger Sharp at you know Bally Williams uh, was looking at at Roller Games, this new TV show, or um, American Gladiators, and he ended up picking American Gladiators, thinking, you know, I think this is going to go somewhere. It was their first season. Well, by the time they got the game done, the show had already been canceled, and that kind of I. So if he picked American Gladiators, how did they end up with um, a roller derby themed one? No, no, they picked they picked roller roller games. It's, oh, okay. but but those were the two that we're looking at, and they went with roller games. Well, we know American Gladiators went I don't know what three, four, five seasons, where uh, roller games had only gone one season. So by the time it took you know nine, ten months, a year, whatever it took to make the game, by the time they actually got the game released, 
the show had already been canceled. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting little, you know, anecdote about uh, the history of, of roller games. Um, but it really, pers- that, that game just personifies 80s cool cheesiness, you know. Uh, whenever I look at that game, I just remember, remember the 80s, you know, because I was a teenager uh, and, and then at the end of the 80s, early 20s. And, uh, you know, it's like it, it just brings back fond memories. So a bit of a nostalgia there. Another fun fact is that apparently if you take the translites to a show to have Steve Ritchie sign it, he will only sign it on the uh, Ladies a Caboose. Yes, I had heard that. <laughs> a posture that signature. That is the only place he will sign that translate. Interesting. That's a good place for it. You know, it works. I, I've heard that it's like one of his games that he uh, – puts the least amount of like stock into and like doesn't like it that much but i think it's a great game i think he sells it short i i agree it's got a little yeah, bit of yeah. everything i mean you know it, it just it's it's a good round game and the early prototypes had an extra set of drops too i believe right so it could have even had more interest and more depth to it uh, had they not parted yes. back a little bit yes all right any closing thoughts on roller games a game that we all love so much that we quickly sold I had mine for quite a while. You did. I had mine for a little over a year. And it's only because uh, I got a a Knight Rider uh, EM that I had wanted for so long. And the guy was like, so you want to do a temporary trade? And I was like, yes, I do, sir. Like, that is the only reason I got a roller games. So you uh, went from I, late 80s cheese to late 70s cheese. I yes, like it. Yes. Yeah, but the yes. but the truck stop waitress is so hot on that game. I mean, she trumps the... Uh, the uh, roller roller derby girl. Ooh, that I, that might be a that might Ooh, be a debatable yeah. question. Yeah, let's put a poll up on. Uh, there we go. Let's do All that. Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, moving on, we're going to try uh, a new game out with you guys. There's three of us here, so I thought it'd be a fun to introduce uh, what I'm calling Factor Fantasy. All right. So, so I hope you guys are buckled up and uh, settled in. I've got my helmet on. Excellent. Strapped in, trays are removed to the upright position. We are ready to fly. So I'm going to go through and ask you guys a series of questions. And I'm going to uh, take turns with each of you. And you are going to respond with fact or fantasy to the statement I make. Basically uh, acknowledging that the statement is correct or completely incorrect. And then uh, take, a, take a moment and support your position. And I will score you guys however I wish because I'm the, the game host here. And we'll see who wins. So this will be our first ever Factor Fantasy game show. And we get to see who will be the uh, first ever winner of the Factor Fantasy game show here on The Spinner is Lit. Are you guys ready? I am highly competitive. Let's do this. I'm ready. Steve, you're the guest, so we're going to start with you first. Oh, so gracious. Question number one. Homepin made a mistake by building Thunderbirds with an orange dot matrix display. Fact or fantasy? I'm going to go with fantasy on this one, only because I don't think that the orange dot matrix display is going to be a game changer for anyone. I think either you were in with the Thunderbirds theme and with Homepin and what they were trying to do, or you weren't, and I don't think this is going to lose them any customers. I think they have a very narrow niche audience for this pin, and I don't think that's going to be the deal breaker with anyone. Um, I think it's a shame 
because I think like basically you can't go back to dots at this point. I think either you need to go LCD because the best dots possible are still not going to be as good with an LCD uh, that's like that Stern has with Star Wars clips. You're not going to beat that. Um, so I feel like you almost need to go the other way and skip orange dot DMD and go back to alphanumeric like uh, TNA. Did you just is doing. completely change your answer from fantasy? No, to I fact. didn't because I said fantasy because I said this is not a game changer. But I'm explaining my stance that I think it's a shame that they did it, but I don't think it is a mistake. I just think it is ill-advised. Spencer, Homepen made a mistake by building Thunderbirds with an orange dot matrix display. Fact or fantasy? Fact, good sir. Because when they get this thing out, and yeah, it's going to have a somewhat limited audience, but when somebody sets it down on location or even in their home, it's, 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 it's going to look dated. And I think that's, in the long run, uh, going to hurt them. Look, it's just like when we went from uh, uh, from uh, uh, electromechanical to early solid state. As soon as solid state games start hitting the market, nobody, you know, none of the operators wanted a, an electromechanical anymore because that was the old technology. You got this new, pretty shiny new technology. And the same thing happened again when the dot matrix display came out. It, it was a game changer. And and so I think, you know, you set this game and no matter how cool it is and how fun it might be, you set it next to, you know, a dialed in, a Star Wars, a Batman 66, uh, you know, uh, uh, a Rob's Alice Cooper coming down the pipe. I think, it, you know, unless it's just a phenomenal game, but I think people are going to look at it and go, yeah, but that's, you know, that's an old game. Let's go play this brand new one with the LCD. You know, look at all the pretty video. I am going to award Steve one point because I think he's right. It is a fantasy. It's not a mistake. Uh, I, I would have ordered you more, but uh, man, you really backtracked off your. I did not backtrack. Uh, you tried to him and haw a little bit. Yeah, haw. Spencer, you get zero points for that. I, I mean, at the end of the day, my my two cents is uh, they're trying to make it a affordable price point. So, Spencer, you're comparing it to machines that are a couple thousand dollars more in price. Um, so I, I think uh, in terms of people buying it for location, it's more likely to sell because Ooh, it's how, such a more attractive much, how, price what's, point. Fifty five hundred USD. Is oh what really? I, well, uh, what day and age are we in that we're like, oh, that's that sounds reasonable. Same price as a stern, a couple hundred bucks more, but but well, we're talking a be. fully loaded probably would be considered an LE on any other manufacturer. Uh, because of the sheer amount of hardware. They decided to focus on what the players are looking at and not what the bystanders are looking at. And I think that's that's a good subtle difference. That All one right. toy I saw, if you guys saw the video, um, and it's on YouTube, of the uh, swimming pool. If you've ever seen the Thunderbirds, um, mm-hmm. and the swimming pool opens up and the rocket comes out in the show. And, uh, and, and the mech they showed is the swimming pool opens up and a pinball comes out, and it's like that is really, really oh, cool. That got I've my not, attention. I have not seen one single second or one single photo of Home Pin and what it looks like at all. Maybe, but I yet will. you were correct in your, your yeah. decision. So yeah, That's check great. out that check out that video when you get a chance, Steve. That mech is really, really because they do they show in in the little video they show the old show with the rocket you know coming out of the yeah, swimming yeah, pool yeah. and then they show the mech with the pinball and it looks really freaking awesome all right so and, and they're really honestly they're not after the US market they they didn't pick this scene with the US in mind if they yeah, sell yeah, zero yeah. units yeah. in the US they're not really yeah. worried about it for that sure. wasn't there 
target. All yeah. right. Spencer, you're up next. Question number two. Stern will produce a custom-themed pinball in the next two years. Fact or fantasy? Fact, my good sir. And my argument for this is, we've seen lately, we've seen a couple people come out with original unlicensed themes. Uh, The most recent, of course, is uh, Total Nuclear Annihilation. You know, it's a retro theme, uh, you know, with with no no dot matrix, no... uh, you know, no LC. Well, it actually does have an LCD that has video display, but the scoring is old. Uh, just what numeric display, I believe, and uh, or alphanumeric. Um, you know, uh, and it's it's you know for a smaller company, it's got a ton of interest because it looks like such a fun game to play. And I think they're at a point now where you know, not that licensed themes have hit a wall or anything, but. Um, I really think that they're thinking, hey, you know what? We're big enough. We have the growth. We have a little bit of wiggle room. Let's go crazy and do an unlicensed theme. And I have heard rumors because I know Steve Rich has been wanting to work on an unlicensed uh, uh, original theme for some time now that I've heard rumors that, that his next game will possibly be an unlicensed original theme. And I think it's going to happen. I just think the market's uh, ripe for it right now. Okay, Steve, Stern will produce a custom-themed pinball in the next two years. Fact or fantasy? Well, I had not heard the Steve Ritchie rumor, but I'm still going to say um, fantasy. Uh, Stern is not interested in um, doing anything other than Stern's status quo. Uh, Stern has their reliable uh, formula right now of like licensed movie, then banned movie, then banned pin, then licensed movie, then banned pin, and... I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, I know that they've that you you know mentioning like dialed in. Dialed in has had success, but I think that's based solely on the designer and how well it plays. Other than instead of uh, um, because of the theme, I think it's successful despite the theme. Because the theme to me is just like Ugh, who cares? But it's a Pat Lawler game. It's really fun. I think that's why people like that game, not because. Uh, they're clamoring for that original theme, so I don't think Stern is gonna be brave. I don't. I don't see it happening. So you think if Stern got the right uh, designer and created a custom theme, it would sell? Um, there aren't any really any who who's left. Pat Gomez, Lawler, Pat Lawler, he's already bored. Them no, Richie. I'm, oh, I'm you're saying Mark Richie. I thought you were talking about like pulling one out of retirement, like they. No, I'm like saying Pat any, Lawler. No, because they already have. I think the only reason they got Pat Lawler back was because they said you can have an unlicensed theme, gotcha. and that was the only way he would come back. And TNA, it still remains to be seen. Um, and you know, Spooky's going to do their small production run, and it's going to do well, but it's not going to do well uh, compared to like how Stern does well. So I just don't see Stern making a custom theme. I think they're just going to keep with their formula of rock pin, uh, movie pin, rock pin, movie pin you know, occasionally other, you know, licensed theme that's established. All right, Steve, you get a point because I I think you're uh, basically dead on. Uh, Spencer, uh, I'm not going to give you zero points, so don't worry. I'm going to give you negative one points for relying on a rumor. (laughs) An unfounded rumor is not a way to base the fact on. Damn. Question number three. Steve, pinball pricing has peaked. A downward market price adjustment is coming. Fact or fantasy? I'm going to say fact. I do think it's peaked. I don't think we can get much higher. I think 
especially with new in box. I think here, here's uh, there's going to be a little bit of you're going to call this wishy washy, but I think with new in box pins, it's peaked. I don't think we can get any higher than the Batman LE. I think a lot of people, whatever it was, not even LE, Super Ultra, uh, Golden Platinum LE, whatever it was. Like, I think too many people got burned by that. I don't think people are going to do that again. I think Stern got one shot at getting that much money out of people at, uh, at a time, and I don't think they're going to be able to to ever get that much or more again. So I think we're going to see a kind of like a stagnation of new in box um, and uh, somewhat of a downward market price adjustment because people are going to just stop buying these new in box. I think um, I think the used market is going to stay pretty stagnant for the high end stuff as well. I think the only place we're going to see increases is these old games that people suddenly discover quote unquote. And like all of a sudden it's like the, the hip new dog of a game that everyone suddenly loves, you know, Black Pyramid, yeah. Um, Black Pyramid, suddenly people are like, oh, Black Pyramid, uh, it's not the most boring game in the world, um, despite what everyone knows and should uh, realize. I but actually like that game. Yeah. <sighs> I would boring. stop talking right oh. now. Spencer. Oh. Yeah. Pinball pricing has peaked. A downward market price adjustment is coming. I'm going to say... Fantasy. And here's my argument. Uh, I'll bring up Batman 66. If they come up with a theme, people will throw money at it like crazy because they want that nostalgia and they will pay through the nose to get it. Batman 66 Super Quadruple LE with the cherry on top. Uh, Yeah, a lot of people feel uh, less, you know, they're not a little disappointed in it, but they still spent their money and they're still keeping it in their home. Uh, look at Big Lebowski. Oh my God, it's a Big Lebowski. I have to have it. Take my money. You know, if they come out with Muppets or Jaws or Pulp Fiction or a- any number, you pick a you pick a classic theme. The monsters, people will throw money. Elvira, perfect example. Okay, uh, that's I, I mean the first game came out in what eighty eight, and uh, you know it's a 30, 40 year old theme. If, if they come out with the theme, doesn't matter what it is, and they make the game decent and fun and playable, people will throw money at it hand over fist if they've got the money to spend, and they won't care what it costs. They'll be like, I have to have it, especially if they make it a super-duper LE, because uh, there is a segment of the pinball hobbyist out there, the high-end collector. They want that high-end new-in-box game, and they don't care what it costs. They'll throw money at it like there's no tomorrow. Spencer, I agree. Uh, you got uh, Magic Girl, Batman, Ellie, Star Wars, Ellie. These are all five-figure pins, uh, and it feels like the right pin will motivate the market. Um, I could see flattening. I don't see a downward adjustment coming yet. Um, Steve, unfortunately, you uh, dogged on Black Pyramid. Negative one points for you. Ah! Spencer, you get a point. Thank you, sir. Ah, uh, so what are we at now? One one. Oh, you know, you just wait. You just wait, young man. <laughs> what are we at? What's the score? It is. Uh, it is zero to two. Your 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 uh, lead there, Steve. Oh, good, good, good. All right. I'm still All right, ready. Spencer, you're up next. Question number four. Facebook has surpassed Pinside as the go-to platform for pinheads. Fact or fantasy? I'm going to say fact. Now, Pinside will always have its place, but there's a lot of people that still we know a lot of pinheads that 
have never been on Pinside. We meet them all the time. Or that don't go to Pinside, but they Facebook. And uh, so, and Facebook has a much larger audience, uh, you know, a broader reach. You know, everybody on the planet knows what Facebook is. Um, you know, pinball is a hobby, is a very niche hobby. And, uh, um, um, you know, it's uh, pin size reaches much smaller. And, uh, I mean, look, we all met each other through pin side, but yeah, definitely Facebook's huge. And, um, there's, you know, multitudes of, of numbers, you know, of people compared to pin side. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a bigger and more go-to place for pinball now. Steve, Facebook has surpassed pin side as the go-to platform for pinheads. Fact or fantasy? Um, I'm gonna have to say this is pure fantasy, Seth. Um, it's become a great new resource, but I don't think it's gonna surpass Pinside in uh, in the long run. I'm gonna give you uh, my main bullet point is it's not searchable. You can't go back to Facebook and look for repair information if you want to do it on your own. You can't look up any kind of database through the Facebook posts. It's great for instant replies. I will say that much. I will say that the response rate on Facebook is much faster than Pinside, but you it's the searchability function is not there and also the the while the you get more responses, I think the quality shows a slight um dip. Uh you'll get some guy saying, "Oh, like I took the tilt ball out of my game and I don't know why it won't work." And like 15 People will all say uh, it's the it's the slam tilt blah 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 and, he, and the and the original poster has already stated like no it's not that but you get like fifteen people not reading the previous things things get muddied in there um, you get like a lot of bad information which you get on Pinside too but I feel like on Pinside like it gets a little it's a little cleaner uh, it's searchable and uh, you're just gonna get a little better quality there. I will say, though, that the EM people on Facebook are surprisingly fast and helpful. So I think there you might get a little more information a little more quickly. But, again, that information is going to be gone the day after tomorrow when your when your thing is fixed. Whereas I've gone on Pinside and found uh, uh, posts from four years ago with valuable information to fix things. Whereas that's never going to be available on Facebook. Steve, I have a secret to tell you. I 100% agree with you. You get uh, the po- yep. point for you. Thank you. All right. You're up next, Steve. Uh, TX Sector is worth 2500 US dollars. Fact or fantasy? Well, it's a fact, and the fact of the matter is that's what people offer them for sale, and that's how, what people buy them at. Is it intrinsically worth $2,500? That is the question. Is it worth $2,500? In a monetary sense, yes, because that is what people buy and sell it at. Do I think that is... I feel a, a hedge point? coming on. Is that... Do I? No, no. This is either or. If you went into a retail store, it would be $2,500. But do do I think it's got twenty five hundred dollars worth of features? Yes. Do I think it's do is I it think worth it's a... the money that people pay for it? No. So that is it a is fantasy. Not. So you now are I'm changing from a fantasy. A fa- I am. I am because I did not. You no because you did not. You were not clear. I was very clear. No, you were. You said is it worth? It's worth that much because that's what someone will pay for it. I see a point for me coming. Oh. <laughs> 
Spencer, TX Sector, is it worth twenty five hundred? Factor fantasy. Well, I say, I say fantasy because you know, look, uh, okay, you guys know it's my grill game, okay, and when I, you know, I first discovered it, it was you could barely give them away at six hundred dollars all day long. And now they're, you know, selling at 2500 But it's a fantasy. I look at that game and go, come on, man. It's 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 an early alphanumeric Gottlieb and uh, a great game as it is. But uh, no, man, it's not worth 2500 No, the people are dreaming, you know. And I think they're going to see the pro- – now, I think the price on that one's going to tumble very soon because people are going to go, I got to have it. I got to have it because it's the new hot game. And they're going to get it and they're not going to dig it that much or whatever. And after a while, or they'll be like, well, that's really cool. I really like it, but I want the next new shiny object to come along. Yeah, and then they're going really to dump the- it, and they'll lose money. Okay, let me ask a follow-up just to uh, confirm I understand your guys' viewpoints because they're pretty close. This is just a simple yes or no kind of follow-up. Steve, you had your choice between a T2 oh, okay. or a T sec- TX Sector. What would you choose? T2. And Without hesitation. And Spencer, if you had a choice between a Fishtails or a TX Sector, what would you choose? Well, you know I'd choose a TX Sector. Okay. So thus proving that uh, Steve flip-flopped and Spencer just flip-flopped because he's saying it is worth $2,500. You <laughs> no, both, I'm saying, you both I'm saying, get negative no. two points for flip-flopping. No, Next question. This is what I'm saying. No, I will. I will. I, I am not done with this argument. If you went to a collector's house tomorrow and they had a TX Sector and you said – Hmm, I really want that game. What price would I need to pay you for you to let it walk away? What would they say? They would say $2,500. Sure. If you heard your friend tomorrow about a TX Sector and you asked them how much they paid, what price would you expect them to say? Not not a not a, a crazy grandma on Craigslist sold it for $300 and a bag of beans. I'm talking like if you went to a collector tomorrow and they were like, I just got a TX Sector – how much do you pay for it? What do you think they would say? Twenty five hundred. Thank you. That's what it's worth then. So you're now flip flopping again. No, I'm not flip flopping at all. I'm saying there's what a game is, the the what the reality of a price point of a game is. But is it? Worth and there's it? what it's worth to you as that's, a collector. That, that's what I'm asking. All right. You're too ambiguous. Well, Captain no. Well, ambiguous. yes and no, but because you guys know, I mean, you know how copper wire was invented. Me yeah, and my old man I fighting over a penny. Right now, so. <laughs> clearly, Spencer for flip flopping, you get negative two. Steve for arguing with me and flip flopping, not once but twice, you get negative three. Oh, oh, oh. God. All right. Would you like to argue more? No, I would not, sir. I, I want to bring up my Question. final point, though, real quick. Uh, I have never paid more than twelve hundred dollars for a game, so. Uh, you know, so you guys know I'm cheap. Do I want a TX sector? Yes. Will I pay more than twelve hundred bucks for it? No. There it is. Okay. Next question. Question number six. Steve, this is directed to you. All right. J Pop is hated. John Papadouk is hated, but he still has a place in the industry due to talent, provided he's properly managed. Fact or fantasy? I am gonna go with a controversial opinion of fact. Um, he is a horrible man. He is a swindler. He has no business running a pinball company in any capacity. He is, however, a talented designer in a field where there are not a lot of talented designers left and where there is not a lot of new talented designers. So I feel that, uh, 
he while he is hated, he still could design a game. But I think for him to do that, he needs to shut up, stay in the background, and just design a game and not try and make it the John Popduke show like he has in the past. And definitely no one should let him handle the books. Spencer, John Popduke is hated, but he still has a place in the industry due to his talent, provided he is properly managed. Fantasy or fact? Fantasy. Okay. Let's be honest here. Okay, now, with his latest run, everybody's like, but the art's so good. Well, he didn't do the art. Okay, somebody else did. And as far as his games go, let's be honest here, too. He's pulled the same bag, he's pulled the same couple of little tricks out of his bag for every single game. Hey, let's do a magnet on uh, World Cup Soccer. Okay. Well, I'll move the magnet to the top of the play field for, uh, 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 theater magic. I'll move it to the other side of the top of the playfield for uh, 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 Circus Voltaire, and I'll move it back to the original side of the playfield. Almost the same exact plays for Tells the Arabian Nights. Yeah, you know it. Uh, I'll be, you know, I will say this: Tells the Arabian Nights, wonderful game. There's some really cool stuff on it. Fun as hell to play. Um, the music, the call-outs, everything. But he didn't do any of that. He came up with one or two good ideas, and he's rehashed them over and over again. The guy's a hack. He's a has-been. He's a never was. He's got no business in pinball whatsoever, and he's really got nothing to offer. It's like, J-Pop, I hope to God you're listening to this. Dude, seriously, go away. Sell used cars. <laughs> something. Anything. Walk, dude. Seriously. See that? That's the exit. This way to the egress, gentlemen. I'm going to be honest with you guys. When I uh, wrote this question, I was leaning towards fact, but uh, the arguments laid out in front of me, I'm going to go with Spencer one point. Oh, uh, what? Well, well argued. What? It's all It's all tied up. Question number seven, Spencer. I feel like this has been rigged to make it exciting at the end. I'm going to be honest with you. The, the end is going to blow your mind. <laughs> Spencer, if the rumors are true and the next JJP is a Pirates of the Caribbean, they have made a big mistake. Fact or fantasy? Fact. I just don't see a lot of – look, will it be fun? Will it be a good game? But most likely, it's going to be Jersey Jack. I mean, you know, the guy makes good stuff. His team makes good stuff. Um, I, I, I just think, you know, with the, they've already done within the last decade-ish – they did a Pirates of the Caribbean. That franchise is dead in the water. The latest film didn't do very well at the box office. I just don't see it being a mega hit for them. And I, you know, um, you know, I'll stand by that. I, I hope I'm wrong. I'm really do because I want Jersey Jack to always succeed and be successful. He comes to our local shows, and he's just a terrific guy. And uh, him and Butch and the whole team, um, they're just wonderful people. But, man, I just I, I just think, uh, you know, they, I think they, you know, fired real late on this one. Steve, if the rumors are true and the next Jersey Jack pinball is a Pirates of the Caribbean, they have made a big mistake. Fact or fantasy? Uh, I'm taking the side of fantasy on this one. Like, we discussed this a little bit earlier, so I don't want to go too in-depth and too, too much of a rehash. But I think... Jersey Jack is on a hot streak. I think people are really liking the stuff they're putting out. They've shown that they're reliable. Um, people um, uh, are loving dialed in. I think uh, as long as they make it that Pirates of the Caribbean, but they keep it a little generic. Don't make it too specific to the movies. Just like get a little of the the flavor of the characters people 
people like, but don't make it too tied in. I think they uh, can hit it out of the park. I think people want a darker theme from them. Um, something that's not, uh, you know, definitely not Wizard of Oz. Uh, the Hobbit got there a little bit more dialed in. You know, it has that uh, uh, unique feel, but I think um, I think people will like the darker, grittier theme of Pirates of the Caribbean, and I think it'll be a success, just like everything else of theirs has been. Given the uh, nature of the question and the emphasis on big mistakes, Steve, I think you're 100% correct. I think... Uh... Um, if Jersey Jack executes well, it doesn't really matter what the theme is. Uh, a, a great theme would make for a great seller. Uh, a, a, a poor theme that's well executed will still do well, and I do not think it would be a big mistake. And that's all assuming Pirates of the Caribbean is JJP number four, which is total conjecture at this point. Yes. Steve, that's one point for you. Going into our last question, and might I add this question is worth five Hundred points. <laughs> LED bulbs never, ever, ever belong in an EM. Ever. Steve? Fact oh, or fantasy? I'm very scared to answer this question because of how hard you've been on me. Um, I, I, I'm going to say, oh, because you hate my facts with a butt. I'm going to say fact. They should never, ever, 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 ever be in an EM ever, except on the very rare occasion that an incandescent. You have to let me finish my sentence. On the very, I've seen it's very rare, and like my friend has a couple EMs where I've seen this. There is sometimes on a feature on a playfield that you need to see lit up, like to spell something, to complete like a tic tac toe board where an incandescent bulb will not light up enough so you can read it and properly play the game like on a flip roll. flip-flop and say that there is no. uh, times when an there's LED a, makes sense in th- an EM? There's one time only for readability when readability can't be achieved because of how old the machine is. On like a rollover button that you can't replace that rollover button and like a regular bulb won't light it, but an LED would light it. That is the only time it is allowed and you have to use only a uh, warm white frosted bulb. You cannot use any other kind of bulb. It has to be as close as possible, but for readability, it's okay. This is a one in a million uh, allowable offense. So, Thank you, Steve. 99.9% no. Never. Spencer? Yeah. No. Nah, LED yeah. bulbs never, ever, ever, ever belong in an EM ever for fact. Fantasy. Fact. Never. Never. It's blasphemy. It's blasphemy, man. That's pinball blasphemy. That's like, you know, that that's 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 the equivalent to eating meat on a Friday, you know. I mean, for me. I mean, it really is, you know. Uh you just don't do it, man. I mean, you, you take these beautiful, wonderful, you take the godly wedgehead, you're going to put LEDs in it. I mean, why don't you just paint it, you know, repaint it candy apple red metal flake. I mean, good god, man. See, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm saying that occasionally, I'm saying all of that, I'm saying all of that, plus if you can fix a feature that won't light up enough with an LED bulb so it looks like it should, but not like it can. Nah, man, it's like, it's like, it's like driving, you know, it's like. It shouldn't be noticeable. It should be, it should be imperceptible. The only thing you're doing is boosting it enough so you can gain readability, but it would not, you would, the, the whole objective of that would be that any 
person playing that game would never know there was an LED bulb there. Yeah, it'd be like putting airbags in a 53 Corvette, man. It didn't happen for a reason. They didn't have them in 53. Oh, you got to oh, keep it original. Oh, all right, fine. All right, oh. I, I'm going to – I've scored it. I'm not going to announce who, who won. I've scored it, but I do want to ask a follow-up that will not impact the all score. All right. Will Will not. Will not okay. impact the score. We have a winner. Soon to be announced. Okay. All the bulbs burn out in your EM. You have no bulbs laying around. Is it okay to throw some LEDs in there until your order comes in for more incandescents? No, I would just wait. You would not play the game? No. For all of them? No. No. Spencer? No way, man. I, you know right. what? <laughs> hey, Amazon ships overnight. It's going to be at least a month before you get those incandescents. Then I will suffer a month without my beloved Surf Champ. All right. I'd like to announce the winner of our first ever Factor Fantasy game show. Practical Steve, thank you for playing. You have won. Oh, yes. Only because you acknowledged that uh, – because I'm not a uh, absolute guy. So saying never, ever, ever is uh, – Oh, Exactly. That was the trap that you didn't fall into. Yes, you know, you know who who never says uh, never ever ever. Practical never people. never me. Practical people. <laughs> there's you I, know, there's two types of people in this world: people that think there's absolutes, and people that know better. Oh, that's no, that's rough. Never <laughs> absolutes. There's never absolutes. Never ever ever. Exactly. You know, I so I I got I got to agree with you. You know, for the most part on that. Um, like with the uh, with uh, question seven with the uh, JJP and Pirates of the Caribbean, um, I man, you clearly won. I mean, I, I was even thinking, oh man, you, your argument clearly won. Uh, I I never took debate in high school, so you know, I'm just shooting from the hip here. Spencer, you did well. I you did don't, okay. Don't feel bad. Oh, I don't feel bad, but Steve, you you rocked it, man. Oh, it, so. was, it was good job, Steve. It, the whole point was. We all had a good time, guys. There you go. You know, and that was fun. We should do. We got to do that. That's a good segment, Seth. That was a really uh, good excellent. segment. Well, let's move on to another well-loved segment, uh, a top ten list. Yay! Which, uh, pick this uh, this week's topic out. I did. This week's topic is our favorite electromechanical or EM pinball games. All right. So who wants to start? Why don't we let our guests start? Why, I would love to give you my uh, top five. No, the, my, excuse me. This would be the bottom five of my top ten. Perfect. So, starting at number 10, um, this is a game that not a lot of people would have in their top 10 whatsoever. Uh, it's a big nostalgia game for me. It's Spanish Eyes by Williams. Oh, uh, they that. made 3,905 units. The design's by Norm Clark. The art's by John Craig has been attributed to the art uh, on this pin, and that is being generous in saying that this pin has art on it because it's pretty ugly but it's the pin that my cousins had in their house. Uh, I played it a lot growing up. It was probably one of the first pins I ever played. I love the pop bumper between the flippers. Um, so it has earned my number 10 spot. Number nine. Uh, number nine is Amigo. Uh, 4,325 units made by Bally. Uh, designed by Greg Kimmick and art by Dick White. Uh, this is a game that has uh, some quasi... Um, things going on with the artwork as well just as in some people might be a little uh sensitive to it but it doesn't bother me um it's a game i like and i think i like almost more so than any other reason is because i played it with you a lot seth at the pacific pinball expo 
Uh, do you remember playing yeah. this game a lot? I, I, I fell in love with it there, and it, it, I'm like, it's one of those games where like I'm a little worried, like, do I buy this game and find out that I only loved it at the time because I was having a good time with Seth, or do I love this pin? Yeah, yeah, I, I feel you on that. Do you ever get it's, that uh, with pins where you're like, is, is it the experience more than the pin itself that, you know, maybe resonates for you? Um, yeah, 100% agree. That, that's It's situational sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Number eight, uh, Jungle King. This is going to be a lesser-known game. It's an Adaball game, only 823 units. It's by Gottlieb, designed by Ed Kritsky, and uh, artwork by Gordon Morrison. Uh, it's a rare game that uh, I used to play at the Pacific Pinball Museum all the time. It was one of my favorite EMs. It's not a very exciting game. Um, it's got these ten rollovers that kind of go up in curves on either side, and you can hit the ball where it'll, like zip and like do all the rollovers and it's very satisfying and i think that's the only reason i like it um number seven is four million bc Mm. with uh 3550 units these uh units uh and all this info is from ipdb uh it's a ballet game it was designed by ted zale and the artwork was by dick white um i uh, and not to give away any more of my list, but I like this game better than Fireball. And I, as far as the the fun pin with the multi-ball and the zipper flippers, for me, 4 million BC does it um, more so than Fireball. Hmm. I, yep. I know that's unpopular, but that is how I feel. I think you'd be surprised how many people would agree with okay, that. Okay, maybe, maybe. Uh, it's a great game. I love it. And then number six uh, is Out of Sight. Uh, 1,750 units by Gottlieb. Designed by Ed Kriske and art by Gordon Morrison. I didn't realize how much of a, how much I liked Ed Kriske as a designer until I made this list and realized how many pins he did mm. that I like. Uh, so that was really interesting to find out. Um, now, Out of Sight is the four-player version of Far Out? I believe believe i listed it as the four. i think so i can look i think it's a, it's basically it's the sister pin of far out it's yeah 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 exactly i mean they're okay, yeah they're interchangeable right. um I, I i like it a lot i love the artwork on it and yeah it's just a game that uh that uh really resonates with me all right so 10 through 6 what were they again real quick spanish eyes number 10 number 9 amigo 8 jungle king 7 4 million bc and 6 out of sight Excellent. Spencer, what you got for us, buddy? Okay. Well, um, first I'm going to go with, you know, Out of Sight and Far Out didn't make my top 10. I thought carefully about it, but they did make honorable mention. So, number 10, Scott Leaves Spirit of 76, uh, mm. Ed Krinsky and Gordon Morrison. Uh, the nostalgia, man. Played it a lot as a kid. Loved that game. It's got a really great story behind it. Um, uh, Wayne Nayans. Uh, who was at the time, I don't know if he's a vice president of Gottlieb then, but he was higher up. He had stopped designing games. But uh, they're sitting around the lunch table one day, and they said, so how many think you, this is going to sell? And everybody's like, you know, going 2,000, 1,500, 3,000. He says, I think it's going to sell 10,000 units. And so uh, whoever his boss was said, Wayne, if this sells 10,000 units, I'll deliver number 10,000 to your house. And sure enough, that game sold 10,000 units. Number huh. number 10,000 uh, to this day still resides in Wayne Nan's home with him. And uh, never heard that story. Uh, yeah, cool. it's a great. Uh, I got it on. Uh, I got that on the documentary. Uh, 
Basketball Passion. It was a great interview with Wayne talking about his Gottlieb days. And uh, I decided that was a, a really neat story. But I love that game. It's mostly nostalgia. But uh, it's still, you know, a fun game. Because um, I was like a nine, ten-year-old kid during the bicentennial year. And uh, it was just really captured the spirit of that era. My number nine is uh, Gottlieb Sheriff or Gottlieb Lawman, uh, also Payet Krinsky and art by Gordon Morrison. That's from uh, 1971. Just I love the layout. I love the Western theme as well, but I, I, there's something about that layout, the big row of drop targets. Um, it's just I, I, that every time I get a chance to play that one at a show, I grab a, I grab a couple games on it. Fun game. Number eight, uh, Travel Time by Williams, 1973. I have no idea who designed it. I didn't look that deep into it. What's interesting about Travel Time, it's a single-player game, and it's a timed game. You get so much time, and you have a, a spinner on, on uh, I think it's on the back glass, um, where it, it counts down time. And you can get by hitting different shots, different targets. You can add more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, another nostalgia thing for me, when I was a kid, uh, my aunt and uncle had a small resort, and it was way up in the mountains. There was a natural hot springs there. In summers, I would go up and spend a week or so up there and just basically run around in the woods and fish and hang out at the hot springs and uh, eat a lot of pizza because they had a pizza place. And I would play this pinball endlessly um, because they – well, at the time, uh, they had only that pinball. In fact, that pinball got replaced by a solid state – um, uh, uh, we talked about it earlier, Knight Rider. So, but, uh, fond memories of playing that game for hours and hours. Uh, number seven, Fireball by Bally, 1972. Um, it goes without saying, man, I mean, early, you know, for the time, you know, three ball, two and three ball, multi-ball, the spinning disc, the artwork on that is just unbelievably, you know, just, especially, you know, as a young boy, you're like, there's a devil throwing fireballs. That is so cool. <laughs> uh, great skill shot, especially for the era. And, and the fact that it actually had that weird tilt on the play field. And, uh, I mean, a real skill shot. You got to really have skill to hit that consistently. Um, and my number six is Jungle Queen or Jungle Princess, Gottlieb 1977, where I never played that as a kid. I was introduced to it at my first uh, time I went to Pinagogo. Uh, Jungle Queen Steve, a good friend of the show and a good friend in person, uh, owns that game. And I think that was the first game he ever bought. And he has a beautiful example that plays perfectly. And it's just uh, the artwork on that is just mesmerizing to me. Um, and, and the gameplay is just a lot of fun. So that's, uh, my, uh, top from 10 to six, um, spirit 76, Gottlieb Sheriff, travel time by Williams, fireball by Bally and jungle queen or jungle princess, uh, by Gottlieb. Awesome. All right. I'll start with my number 10. Um, this one, uh, I guess I'll give a caveat before I start the list. Um, obviously the, the parameters were anything electromechanical. Um, not of my generation. I, I grew up in the late 80s, so um, for me, early solid states is kind of my sweet spot. I didn't play uh, EMs until I got deeper into the into the hobby. I do have an appreciation for them. Um, matter of fact, Practical Steve and I spent quite a bit of time at the last Pinball Expo going through a lot of the pins from the 40s and 50s and 60s and just looking at the art and, and, and playing them. So I definitely uh, have fondness in my heart for them. But um, most of uh, my uh, enjoyment has come from the uh, later era EM. So you'll see that kind of as a theme 
throughout my uh, list. I say that all to set up the fact that I did pick an older one for my number 10. Uh, that's Teacher's Pet. Um, it makes the list because it's my daughter's uh, favoritist pen. Um, she played it at a tournament at Pentagogo a couple years back and has always loved it. And I've always kept an eye out, uh, hoping to, to snag that one day. Aren't there some like uh, for her. weird kickouts at the bottom of that game or something like that? Or yeah, there there's got uh, kickout four kickout holes. That game's great. Plus, yeah, it's ah, it's a really sh- it's a really neat I game. I should have put that on my game. That's an honorable mention now because I should have put that on my list. That's a good one. Number number uh, nine uh, is all the way from uh, the land of uh, Spain, uh, and it's Sonic Butterfly. So not a ton of details about this one. It came out in seventy seven, so it's towards the end of the era. Um, but um, I managed to play it a couple times. And uh, just really enjoyed the geometry and the shot layout and um, interacting with all the play field rollovers, trying to spell out butterfly, um, working in conjunction with the drop targets. I thought it was a pretty neat little rule set uh, for that era. And uh, and the art is obviously great on uh, all Sonic games. So it's um, anytime you get to play a Sonic, you get to see kind of how, uh, I don't know what technology oh. they used at the time, but they all wear like irons. Oh. They all look fantastic. Why, is not, Bright why colors. has not every <laughs> pinball machine been made at the same place that Sonic made their play fields? Because those play fields are, yes, gorgeous. I'm sure it uses gorgeous. some sort of cancer-causing oh, sure. chemicals. It's pure you know. formaldehyde or something. Yeah, exactly. Number uh, number eight on my list is uh, from uh, 1976, uh, Williams Grand Prix. Um, I owned it for a brief moment. Uh, I unfortunately couldn't get it to fully work, so I moved it on to somebody that was a much better tech than me when it comes to EMs. But um, I've managed to play it a couple times um, on um, at shows. I've never played one fully dialed in. I've, I've watched videos of, of them fully dialed in, and it looks amazing. It's got the two independent bonus ladders, um, two spinners. Um, I'm a sucker for spinner games uh, and like the theme. So uh, Grand Prix makes it in at number eight. Number seven uh, from 1975, a game I had never played until uh, – our mutual friend Jim uh, grabbed me by the collar and, and pulled me and Steve over to play it. Uh, and he introduced the game to me, and I really, really enjoyed it. It is Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy, the Elton John Tommy uh, pin. Uh, it has uh, all the things you look for, multiple flippers, not just two, not just three, but four pops. It's got stand-up targets, uh drop targets, and uh, a neat little uh, outlane uh, gate. So uh, really neat uh, rule set, kind of uh, typical for the mid-70s, but um, nonetheless, it's a, it's a really fun player and a great shooter. <laughs> uh, and then number, uh, where are we at? Number six, I think yes. I'm at. I'm going to make sure I don't go too far. Number six, um, this one I loved, uh, moved on, and I miss it dearly. I hope to have it back someday, but maybe in better condition. Um, it could be racially insensitive, not unlike Amigos, but um, I, I the theme appealed to me, and that's Bow and Arrow. That's uh, from Bally from 1974. Um, it has a, a great um, mechanism where you, you spinner builds up your bonus, and then you can use a capture captive hole to collect your bonus. Um, it has that great tactile feel when the spinner's ripping. 
uh, really enjoy uh, that game and the artwork on that game. And that is my top five. Your bottom. Oh, your bottom five. My t- yes, my bottom five. That was five. the top. That, that was is, the top of your bottom five. That is the top of my bottom five. Here's the bottom of my top five. Number five, I have a Space Odyssey by Williams. Uh, 4,330 units, uh, designed by Steve Kordek, uh, art by Christian Marsh. It's a very classic space theme pin. Um, I love that there's the, the two kickouts at the flippers, so you can't really trap the ball because it just goes mm. in there and they pop right back out. So I feel like you have to take a lot of fast shots on this game. Uh, there's a swinging target, uh, a spinner, a great little horseshoe, and um, something that... Um, is always important to me in EM games. Um, I love an EM game that has a bonus that you can collect or a bonus that you can double by your own power. Mm. Like, and this has a double bonus. Uh, great game. Uh, uh, really would like to own all the top five. I'd like to own all of these someday. Uh, number four is Flip Flop. That's by Bally. That's a uh, 5,350 units uh, designed by Jim Patla. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, and art by Dick White. Um, it's just a fun, uh, just a fun game. It's got uh, four flippers uh, and the four flip flags, like they have on um, Bally Wizard. Um, but it's got um, the thing that I love about this game that I wish they did in more pinball games. It's got the little bounce back in lanes. You know where mm-hmm. if you can drain yep. on the out lane, uh, you can you know nudge the game i love that that oh like that is i i don't own any games with bounce back in lanes and i love them so much and i think the that 80 percent of the reason i like flip-flop is because it has bounce back uh in lanes uh number three is old chicago by bally uh there's a lot of these made 7155 um the, the designs by greg kimmick and the arts by dave christensen and john yousey I just love the artwork on this game, and I think it's just got everything I like uh, all there. It's got, it's just a fun game, and it's a classic, and I don't know why I love it, but I love it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I do love <laughs> yep. that it's got the two lower pops on, like, the lower half of the playfield. I love that um, in EM games, when they kind of just did weird stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. Um... My top two shouldn't be any real big surprises. Number two, um, uh, almost number one, uh, Knight Rider by Bally. It's one of my favorite pinball machines of all time. I've said it a million times. Uh, It's got 4,155 units. Um, But I might have written that down from the solid state version. Do you guys? That doesn't sound right. Mm. But for Knight Rider? Night Rider is uh, four thousand one hundred. Oh, I was, I was, I was there. Um, but anyway, I just love Night Rider so much. Uh, it's a game I remember from playing back in the day, and even though it seems, if you look at it, it's very much just a symmetrical game. There's a definite strategy there, and it's simple. And I just feel like it's like this pure pinball fun. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite games of all time, period. And the only game that was e- able to narrowly beat it out was my number one was Evil Knievel. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, it is... Talk about rare. I mean, like, I feel like I'm almost, like, cheating with the last two because they did make solid-state versions of this. Um, but I just love Evil Knievel. I love Knight Rider. Uh, 
Evil Knievel's got the classic artwork. Um, it's just I love the layout again. Um, I just don't think it gets much better than Evil Knievel, and I want to own one so bad someday. And I fully expect to never own the EM version of this game because it's so damn rare. And yeah, that's okay. You got to follow your yes. passions. No one's going to judge you here. This is a safe place. Wait, wait till you hear some of uh, Spencer's top five, and you won't oh, Okay, there we go. No, I'm saying it's going to be that awesome, Spencer. Oh, okay. There we go. Now we're talking. All right. Uh, my number five, Big Brave, or Big Indian by Gottlieb. Uh, you know, it, a lot of this is for nostalgia for me. Uh, you know, when I see one of the show, I'll still play it, and I love it, and I enjoy it. Um, there was a little quickie mart near my house, and they had this game, and they also had my number two pick. Uh, and I used to play it. You know, every day after my paper route, and I got to where I could just rack up 15 games on it every time. It's just a good game, man. It's got a five bank of drop targets. It's got rollovers, uh, pop bumpers, you know, the usual stuff on, on that era of pinball machine. But I love the art. I love the gameplay. My number four uh, is uh, a wedgehead. Gottlieb wedgehead volley. Three banks of drop targets. And it's a wedge head. If you're a drop target fan, which I am, uh, you know, three pop bumpers and three drop targets. And a fairly deep rule set for the day because it was a single player. Yeah, but uh, Bali, great game. My number three, I'm kind of kind of going off of left field here. Inner Flips Dragon from 1977. Oh, look at you. Okay. I, I, again, a game I never saw. I never played as a kid. I only discovered it just... I don't know, a couple, three, four years ago, uh, a couple of local collector friends have them. And as silly as it is, I just love the noise that those little dragon or the Hydra head makes when you hit it. That to me is just, it's whimsical and fun. And uh, it's it just, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. I would have loved um, to put that on there, but that's a game I've actually never played. So I don't know if you guys, did you guys adhere to any rules, personal rules? Like, I couldn't put any games on that I had never actually played. Even though I'm like, I know I would love Dragon, but like I've never played it, so I can't put it on the list. I don't think we put any rules, but, you know. It's the rules or whatever you oh, I know, exactly. I'm just wondering if anyone else had that rule for themselves or if it was just no nah, i i well i played all the ones a lot you know I'm, my, all my stuff's all nostalgia based pretty much so my favorite artwork of an em and i bet like i'd love it is impacto um if you look it up i mean i just think it's like some of the best um em art but i've never played one so i was like i can't i can't um in good conscious uh choose it it's just impact not impacto impact but because uh, there is an impact. Is there an impact? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there is wow. An impact <clears throat> huh. Oh, it's the same thing. That probably it's goes the back same away. thing. That's why it's the same, same one. Thing. That's okay. why I was confused. But anyway, so yeah. Uh, so I, I had that self-imposed rule. Sorry to interrupt you, uh, Spencer. No, no, that's okay. Because it's a cool story um, about the impact. So okay, my number two is. Uh, Wizard by Bally, based uh, on the rock opera Tommy. That set right next to the Big Brave at the little local Quickie Mart where I'd stop every day after my paper out, and I'd play those two games over and over and over and over for a couple of summers. And uh, I just, you know, fond members of it. Whenever I get it, I get a chance to play one. 
um, you know, at a show or at a collector's house, uh, I automatically grab a game or two on Bally Wizards. It has the flip flags, amazing artwork, um, great spinner setup, um, just a lot of fun. Really great game. And of course, my number one, it, you guys already all know it. It's the game, it's the actual game that all three of us have owned, and it's one of my holy grails, and I own it now. Uh, thanks to Practical Steve, and that's Gottlieb's Surf Champ or the two-player version Surfer. Um, not only is it a great game, it's got—I mean, it's got everything for the era. It's got well, great artwork, great theme. Uh, it's got five bank and drop targets. It's got rollovers. It's got star rollovers. It's got a kickout hole. It's got a spinner. The one thing it does not have is any stand-up targets. Uh, you get a double bonus automatically on the fifth ball. If you roll over all the star rollovers, there's two wire rollovers at mid-game on each side. Uh, you like those, you roll that. On any ball, you can get double bonus that way. And on the fifth ball, if you have a set of five ball, you can get triple bonus. So, uh, it's like I said, everything. it's got just, it, it's on two pop bumpers. Um, the game is so important to me because it's a game my dad and I played all the time as a kid. And I finally have one in my home. Thank you again to Practical Steve who picked one up. I got a great deal. Oh, I was stoked to yeah. I was stoked to get that for you. I mean, like, yeah, like it uh, it worked out really well. Like, I got it super duper cheap, and uh, it wasn't working at all. It needed a lot of work, but I was able to fix it up. And then uh, I knew when I went to sell it that you were getting it because I wouldn't let anyone else have it because you wanted it so badly and it meant so much to you. So yeah, no, it was awesome. And you know, I brought it to Pinagogo the last two years. In fact, I saw uh, uh, um, a picture and. Um, a while back, somebody posted. Oh, it was on the uh, Pinball News article. And there was a, uh, a little kid playing it, smiling, and that—that that to me, man, that's mm, that's yeah. the payoff. When why we, you know, spend those countless hours of loading games to go a show, or you know, have parties at our homes, or other people host parties or open houses, is when you see somebody and they're just smiling, they're playing that game and just enjoying it. And, you know, that's the reason for it all. And, uh, you know, sharing sharing the love and the joy of our hobby with others. And that's Absolutely. that's my top ten. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. That, that was that was better than I Good thought it ones. could have been, Spencer. But, I don't know, Big Indian, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, side note to that, and this is a rumor, I heard recently somewhere that there was a very small amount, at least of back glasses, made uh, that – uh, of the title Big Engine. Um, mm. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I can see it. 1974 would be right at the tail end, or maybe somebody thought mm-hmm. that they could get away with that. And apparently somebody goes, Yeah, no, not good. Get that out of yeah. here. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, on to yours, sir. All right. All right, uh, starting at uh, number five, uh, I'm going to go with Old Chicago. Uh, this is a game that uh, was recently introduced uh, when we, you know, speaking of uh, shows and people opening their houses, this is definitely a game that um, uh, was introduced to me at the Banning uh, Arcade Expo 3.0. I uh, got to play it uh, with some of you guys and uh, really, really uh, fell in love with it. Um, you know, like most EMs that I like, it has to have um, a spinner and a set of drops. This one does. Uh, good rule set and, and great art. So definitely uh, love the 1975 Bally Old Chicago. Number four, um, 
no no shocker here. Uh, I won't belabor it, but uh, the 1976 Gottlieb Surf Champ, um, much like Spence, I don't have the nostalgia tie to it, but it's it's just a classic mid-70s EM that has a little bit of everything going on, uh, can play really fast if set up well, uh, and, and make you, you have to think really fast on your feet. Number three. Night Rider. This is where Steve and I's lists are going to start getting yeah, closer. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, I I have a Night Rider solid state only because I acknowledged it was going to be harder to get an EM. Uh, I would probably prefer an EM in a in a perfect world, but got an opportunity to snag a solid state, and I just love this pen uh, with the two banks of drops. Um, a lot going on with um, the, this two optional oh. spinners and, and building your bonuses and, and stuff. Great, great so theme. Good. So uh, good. Great. Oh, so, so fun. So good. Yeah, yeah. Love that machine. The best. We should have made this whole episode about Knight Rider, really. <laughs> and, and the artwork, the art package on that is just phenomenal. It. it really is. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the random it. bonus at the top, that the, the click-through bonus that you hit the... You hit the spinner on this game, yep. and then it just like it cycles through the bonuses on the top. It's like and five you, options. You, there's yeah. five options plus the double bonus. So like the double bonus doesn't come up like every time. And oh, when you hit that double bonus, you're like, yes, that's the, that's the jam right there. Such a good game. Such a good game. Go on. Number two. Number two. It is Bally's uh, Evil Knievel. I do uh, don't ever plan on owning one uh, because there's only like 150 of them made. Yeah, that's 150 made too. Not how many are left. So how many do you think are yeah. left? There are not that many left. Nope. I I would love to own this in a solid state. Um, once again, it's showing my my uh, appreciation for kind of early solid state. Um, but if I could snag this in an EM, I would do that in a heartbeat. And then uh, number one uh, hasn't been mentioned tonight. I can't but wait. It Hold is on, my... I can't even imagine what your number one is if it hasn't been mentioned tonight. I, I it, cannot imagine. It's my holy grail. It's my holy grail. Really? And I, and I I am proud and honored to share parenting responsibilities of it as uh, Moff and I went in halvesies uh, and have purchased. And it's a, the only the only EM game on the planet that Moff will acknowledge that he actually likes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, at uh, 1977, it's a Sonic, another Spanish oh. pen, Ma- Mars Trek. You've got your stand-up targets, you got your spinners, you've got a horseshoe, um, kickouts. It's got a little bit of everything. Phenomenal science fiction theme, great art package, uh, great rule set. Plays really fast when set up. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've always wanted one, and I'm very excited about uh, landing. One. I think it's a very huge oversight. That's not on my list. Like I don't know how. I'm pretty sure I had that. Like this list is like the third copy of the list I made, and I think it must have not gotten transferred at some point because that <clears throat> should have been on my list. Good choice. So uh, now that we've kind of gone through our top tens, um, and not a lot of surprises there, other than you know Steve completely dropping the ball on. Uh, <sighs> I Mars really it should I should have bumped Amigo and it should have been number three or four really oh so talk to anyway. me uh, Steve what 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 are some honorable mentions you haven't heard tonight Ooh I had those written down and I don't so I'm trying to think off the top of my head uh, a lot of ones got mentioned that were my honorable mentions like Butterfly uh, you had mm-hmm. mentioned was one of my honorable mentions um. 
Uh, you know what? I'm just realizing no one mentioned like El Dorado or any of those. I was waiting for that. I, I no hate one, that layout. I absolutely hate that layout. I don't no like no it one at all. Mentioned Centigrade 37 or Abracadabra. Abracadabra. I love Abracadabra. I almost put. That I almost there, did too, I, and it just didn't make it. Yeah. Atlantis is great, but I don't know why those just didn't make it. I think those are almost too overhyped at this point. I, I've never played and, Atlantis, I don't think, or maybe once or twice at a show. I like Atlantis. Um, I like Atlantis. And, and uh, uh, what was the other one? I'm sorry. Uh, El Dorado? El, El Dorado, I just don't care for the layout. Um, but, um, well, no, the other one after that, I'm sorry. And there's like five. There is, there is, yeah. I have a feeling if I could play the Gold Strike, the Adaball version, that I'd like it more than other versions because I love mm. Adaball games and you don't get to see them very often on the West Coast and I have a feeling I would that would really hit a sweet spot for me but I've never seen one in person so I it, part of my rules I couldn't put it on my list. Oh, you mentioned Abracadabra. Uh, I I actually had that on my list and I moved it off my list. So, mm. so that's yeah. an honorable mention. What else you got on your list that almost uh, made Well, Knight Rider. I you know because like look, uh, there's like three or four of us on our little crew that have it now, and I can play a lot, and I like it. You know, I I I was more as a kid. I it was always the solid state version, so I, I always just associated that more with the solid state. So and that's why yeah. I didn't put it on my top ten list. Um, and uh, far out or out of sight was on there. Because I really love playing that game. I, I remember playing um, playing that as a kid too. Um, yeah, I just like I like the artwork. It's it's different for that era. The artwork is very different than most of what was going on, uh, especially Gottlieb. So it's really eye catching. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, two makes the drops. Man is always good for me. So I, uh, I I had out of sight, far out on my almost there. I had uh, quick draw, almost made it to the list. Yeah. Uh, Jumping Jack. Jumping Jack almost made it to the list, or Jack in the Box for the two-player version. Um, Fireball, I wrote it down because I know you're supposed to acknowledge it, but eh, it doesn't I, just I doesn't feel the do same it way. It's, like a, it's fun, but it's just like, I don't know. Like I don't know what it is about it that like I don't love it. And I like two-inch flipper games, and I, I like old games. Uh, Marble Queen was one I was going to put on there, and that's a wood rail. Um, and that mm. almost made my list. Because uh, I love playing that game, but uh, yeah, the other the ones I put on my list were just like a little bit better. You know, a lot yeah. of them have a gimmick. I, I'll, I'll acknowledge that most of my EMs have like some kind of gimmick about them, and they're not very pure. Like a lot of uh, EM lovers love their EMs, but uh, yeah, so be it. It's my ten top ten list, and you can. That's right. It's it's you can all go about kick you. rocks if you don't like it. For all I care, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw one more honorable mention out there. And I never played the game until uh, I played Brad's, and uh, that is uh, Bally Star Trip. It's a two to three ball multi ball game. Um, you you have it's the top of the play field. You have uh, two saucers, and you lock the balls in, and then you hit the little mushroom bumpers to release the balls and uh, really neat layout, really neat uh, artwork. is just, uh, uh, you have to see it. Uh, um, it's just um, that, that it, it's almost Jetsons esque, the spaceships, but it really captures the era. I don't know the year, early mid sixties. Uh, it, it had manual ball feed. It doesn't have an automatic ball trough. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but just in a fun, fun game. The only other ones that I almost brought into my list and got pushed out, uh, Matahari. 
Yeah, that that I, um, I that was like it's that's so easily accessible in solid state that I was like I don't love it enough that I'd want it to be. Yeah, I yeah, want that yeah. rare EM because that's just as rare. It's like you have to spend so much money to get that. And I'd be like, no, that's the only reason Evil yep. and Evil and and Night Rider. It's just I love that game so much, and the EM is just a little added bonus. And the last one I had was uh, Big Hit, um, and that's. Partly because that's actually a pretty fun game. It's not a necessarily a traditional pinball game, but um, uh, my daughter and I played that a lot at a at a show a couple of years back. We both really enjoyed it, so I've always kind of had a fun spot to cool. that in my heart. But yeah, it's kind of interesting sitting back and looking through my list. I'm like, okay, uh, if it came out in '76 or '77, I probably yeah. want to own it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Great time for pinball, and Tommy had a lot to do with that. I mean, pinball was just you know, at a height at that period. And then Solid State came in and just exploded even more for, you know, until about 79, 80, when video games really started to explode. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, look, you know, looking back as a kid and, and, you know, being the arcade rat, um, you know, it was an amazing time. And I'm so grateful that I got to be, you know, alive and part of it. Agreed. So, well, it's been uh, it's been a couple hours. This is our longest show to date, isn't it? Feels like it. We'll see what it, when I get done with the in the editing booth how it looks. Feels but, uh, like it. That was a ringing endorsement for for having me on as a guest. <laughs> oh, that was a long episode. Felt like it. Well, no, but you know what's great about it? Like I said, it's just like when we were all sitting around, you know, having food and just talking, you know, and and it just it just flows. And uh, I think our listeners really enjoy it because they sit down with us and it's like they're there with us and just being part of the conversation. And, uh, that's the whole reason we do this show. You know, it's, uh, you know, you can sit down with your, uh, with your friends on the internet radio and just hang out and just talk pinball. That's right. Listener. So there you go. See, we love our listeners, all 22 of them. So, yeah. <laughs> so no, our show's really growing. Love you, mom. Yeah, love you, mom. She bought all our copies of our album. So, uh, it's uh, closing time. Uh, shout outs and thank yous. Uh, I'll let uh, our special guest host, uh, Practical Steve, start off. Oh, sure. Um, Put you on the spot. You guys. Thank you to you guys for having me on the show. And just <clears throat> thanks to all my friends that um, I talk with on a regular basis. Uh, the people that are closest to me in the hobby are the people that mean the mostest to me in the hobby. I just made that up and I'm going to put it on a t shirt. Uh, but like. <laughs> uh, Jim, uh, Willie, uh, yeah, Cheddar, Eric, of course, uh, Dylan, Adam, uh, Jim, for sure, a million times. I don't ever get to see Jim enough. Um, you guys are, uh, did I forget anyone? Dylan? I forgot yes. everyone. Uh, Spy Byron, um, you know, all those people. Did I forget anyone else? Please tell me if I forgot anyone else. We'll tell you after the show. No worries. Oh, don't tell me after the show. But all the people, I mean, Tony, like, I could go on and on and on. Um, uh, you know, Pisma Arcade's an awesome guy. Like, I could literally spend another 40 minutes talking about all the other awesome people I know. We got um, time. It's Saturday. No, I don't. I'm <laughs> exhausted. I'm so, so done with you guys. Um, uh, but I love you guys, and I love all my friends. Uh, so thank you all. Awesome. Seth, you want to go next or you want me to? Sure, I'll go next. Awesome. Uh, so, um, I, 
first wanted to say a, a big thanks out to uh, our uh, previous uh, guest, uh, Chris Bannister. He's uh, babysitting my sorcerer. Both him and Eric have put a lot of love into that machine over the last year. Um, I just wanted to say thanks uh, to both of them for all the their hard work they put into it. Um, I, here it is running beautifully at this point, so uh, I'm excited to uh, go play down and play it. Uh, thank you for babysitting and taking such good care of it. And uh, another shout out to uh, Mike with the CCPL. Uh, thanks, buddy. Uh, appreciate uh, you let me uh, pick up your vector. I'm uh, loving it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to let it go now. Uh, great, great pen. appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to take it for a, a test run. And uh, I think it's going to be a keeper for me. That is a great game. I'd like to swoop back in here and say that I definitely forgot Mike originally. Uh, and I'm kind of okay with that because, yeah, that's right, Michael Hosier. Because he's at Disneyland right now instead of at League Finals tonight. That's true. He's at, yeah, he's at Disneyland. At the time uh, of the recording. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. the time of the recording. So. Yes. yes, this is not a magical time machine where Michael is always at Disneyland whenever you listen to it. Although that would be pretty awesome. Um, that would be Seth. Yeah, Seth would always be at Disneyland. It would be good. Michael rules too, and I'm sorry I forgot it the first time. Go on. Spencer? I'm up. Yeah, I want to do, first of all, a shout-out and a huge gracious thank you to uh, all the wonderful people at the Capital Quarter of Pinball League, Michael Hosier. Um, and I know I'm missing somebody on the Folsom side. I'm sorry, but I give you a shout out and thank you. Uh, then his brother David. His brother David. Hi, David. Uh, who's I think was just at Disneyland. Um, and thank you guys for doing what you do and uh, opening your homes and uh, hosting uh, pinball league nights and tournaments. And uh, to the Neff family uh, and to the Bannister family for hosting and to. Uh, Adam Pressler for hosting and all the wonderful hours of hard work and cooking food for people and opening up your homes to all of us crazy pinheads uh, like you've been doing these past uh, years. Uh, we just finished uh, a season of League with Finals tonight. Had an absolutely wonderful time. I still look forward to it. So thank you from the bottom of my heart to these wonderful humans um, who help pinball, make pinball what it is. And, um, I, you know, I, I, there's so many other thank yous and shout outs I want to give it. It's just I, you know, it's just the room's kind of spinning, plus it's two hours, and I'm really tired. So um, I'll just leave it at that. That's uh, uh, been our show for tonight, Episode 10. Thank you for tuning in. You can listen to us on, uh, uh, let's see, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, and Acast. Uh, you know, not live from the Kitchen Table Studios in Northern California. Thank you once again to our wonderful guest, Practical Steve. And uh, that's been the show. Uh, everybody stay safe out there. Uh, keep supporting your local uh, route operators and keep playing pinball. Play pinball. Keep America strong. Stay safe, everybody. Bye.